This is Josh Mills. And this is Shooties and Sashimis. AKA Jords over there because she loves her sushis and sashimis. You know, we have Rum Guy Dave, so maybe we now should have a sushis and sashimis Jords. <laughs> Squirrely Jords over there. And we are very happy to have you guys with us for a liquor podcast. I'm actually really excited about this one, aren't you? Yes. Because we are doing rye whiskeys this week. And, you know, I've got Jords on, uh, so it's going to be a little bit more of a conversational style but we're going to talk about the whiskeys george why don't you tell us what one of the whiskeys is so i have got some woodford rye yum so not regular woodford but just the woodford rye and then i have the from whistle pig distillery the piggyback rye which i'm very excited about i love this i love this rye and i'm super excited because i absolutely love rye whiskeys so jordan and i have had a pretty you know crazy time with work and everything so we don't really have pairings but with our culinariness combined i think we can come up with some great pairings for you guys to talk about Uh, but like i mentioned earlier this is going to be a little bit more of a conversational style we'll still talk about the rise and and kind of what that means and all that but i think we're just going to have kind of a good, good conversation over whiskey i agree so I know you guys are dying to know what the blind was from the previous episode with our good friend Seth Barlow. So it was the Kirkland brand Cru Chablis. Yeah, the Premier Cru Chablis. Oh, I think. Sorry, Premier Cru Chablis. Sorry, Seth. <laughs> That's okay. I think I called it, if I'm remembering right, I think I called it a Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. But it just, it I was missing a whole bunch of that acid. And, you know, Seth, Seth likes to, you know, kind of, play at me a lot when it comes to my blinds but it was a really good Chablis so if you have a Costco which by the way Kirkland brand is Costco's brand if you have a Costco close by go and try and find that Chablis it's actually really really good not super lightning on the acid but it it had a lot of really good flavor well Jordan are you ready ready to dig into some uh Woodford yeah we're so once again, we're going to be, do- this is a rye whiskey episode, which we are both very happy about because we're both big rye whiskey drinkers, especially me. I'm a, I'm a huge rye fan. A lot of times I prefer ryes over bourbons now. Man, rye old fashioned. Ugh. If you haven't had it, try it. Trust me. Give it a go because it, it's, it's, it's really, really good. But we have the, the Woodford rye to start it out. Let's get a clink. Cheers. Cheers. Oh man. So this is, this is from Woodford Distilling. It is a 53% rye ratio on their on their bill. Oh, man, and it smells smooth. I'm glad you know the percents. I just drink it because it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, it is a really good one. Man, you get that really good spicy rye kind of flavor. Now, let's talk about rye whiskey for a minute. Jordan, go ahead and drink. <laughs> and we have, so on the table with us tonight, because we're, because we're doing liquor, we have, you know, four ounces of liquor each. We just have like a cheddar snack mix that's got sun chips pretzels dorito like it's just a super snack mix and then we have some voodoo chips from zap so we're we're just going to kind of snack along and like i said it's been kind of a crazy crazy time for us lately so we didn't really get to the full-on pairings but we're definitely going to talk through some pairings that you can have with these with these whiskeys which i think would be really good but rye whiskeys are whiskeys which have over 51 percent rye in their mash bill Now, when we talk about bourbons, we know that bourbons will have 51% corn. So because of that, rye comes off a little bit spicier. 
It doesn't have to. It doesn't have any kind of aging requirements. You mean more delicious? Yes, <laughs> it is more delicious. There are a f- there aren't quite as many aging restrictions for rye when it comes to it, but there are some when it comes to straight rye and some of those extra words that come on the bottle, kind of like when it comes to bourbon. But really, the big thing about rye is just having that actual rye grain as the majority of your your mash bill and then, then it's brewed and then it's brewed and distilled just like any other whiskey you know you let you bring it up to to get all the sugars going you malt it you you know get your uh, you get that fermentation already going and then you distill it and you get the beautiful liquor and then it's aged i think i've actually never seen an unaged rye whiskey that i know of I'm trying to think, and I can't think of one that I've seen. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I cannot think of one off the top of my head Yeah, and it that may, is unaged. And it may be labeled moonshine rather than rye whiskey because... Without doing a lot of research, I could see that being a plausible idea behind it for yeah. sure. And rye is a, rye is a grain just just kind of like barley it's grown all over the world and actually the united states doesn't grow a whole lot of it i have heard some people start to use it more because it's a good crop rotator because it actually will give back nutrients that corn or soybeans will actually take out so they're trying to get it to grow more and i mean it's it's a profitable grain now Mm -hmm. with the whiskey usage or even just in bread making yes Rye bread, yeah. some of my favorite for sure. Most people probably, if you're not really into whiskeys, you've probably had rye bread or marbled rye. If you've ever had a mm. a corned beef sandwich or a Reuben, a Reuben mm. pastrami, a lot of time is is served on rye. Mm. Um, if you've ever, if you have a good Jewish deli, a good Jewish, Jewish deli, deli near you, you'll probably have good rye bread. Now, rye is not always black. Rye bread is not always black or brown. You do have a lot of white rye that's done too. Mm-hmm. But the most common that you'll see will be that black and white or brown and white because you'll get that most commonly you see a marbled rye. Yeah. Which is what I love. Yeah, that's that's where they'll take like both types and then yep. mm. bread, like braid them or spiral them together. The only thing better than rye bread is true sourdough. I will agree. I would wonder how a sourdough like a true sourdough rye would taste having that like f- extra bite of the rye plus that souriness of of a sour of a good mm. sourdough. Man, if only I had a sourdough starter. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not, they're not too difficult to make. We should we need to look at making one. But you know, rye is a very profitable grain. It's mostly grown in the European Union. You know, they grow over six million tons of it in 2018, but it's on the decline. You know, in you know, kind of the stats I'm looking at, in 2012, you know, the European Union grew over 8 million metric tons of it. In 2018, they only did over over 6 million. And so it's it's not as profitable as wheat or corn or soybeans, but it's still a it's still a good grain to to grow because it is kind of like I said, it is a good rotator, and people are trying to bring it back in to give fields a little bit more of a rest and find a, a crop where you can actually make some money rather than just sitting it down. But so what are you tasting in this particular rye whiskey as as I'm, you know, blathering on about this wonderful wonderful grain? A it's just so smooth, but you get that nice 
spice. Um, I'm trying to think of a common spice to compare it to, but nothing really speaks to me because it's not, it's not cinnamon. It's not like a pepper spice. It's just a nice, smooth, almost like a combination of like cinnamon clove, but not that strong, like very kind of diluted cinnamon and clove. Maybe a little bit of cardamom, but just like it's so smooth. It's really hard. I I feel really dumb saying this, not being able to pinpoint it, but it's just beautiful. Like I yeah. want to sit here and drink this all night long. Yeah, I kind of get. I kind of equate it to if you take if you have Chinese five five spice. Okay. But you take out the like clove or, or no the nutmeg. The you nutmeg. take that kind of nutmeggy flavor out. You have that kind of sweeter spice with that just touch of a little bit of heat from the pepper in there. I would agree with that. I think that was what I was dancing around. I just couldn't put it into words. Yeah. And I always get a little bit more of like a cigar tobacco on these. And it's like that Maduro where you get that little bit of extra spice from the extra ferment on the tobacco leaf. Yeah, it's not it's not the smoky thing. It's it's an unlit cigar. Yeah, it's like inhaling a really nice unlit cigar. Mm-hmm. When I'm looking at Woodford site, you know they talk about sea fruit, floral, and sweetness. There's definitely some floral there. Yeah, it's not overwhelming, but there's definitely that note of that nice floral essence. I don't really get that so much on the palate, a little bit, but it's mo- mostly on the nose. Right. If you ask me. Yeah. on the floral it's when i take that big sniff yeah well they so they say that they did this and it, it harkens back to a pre-prohibition style of rye of whiskey that has this extra rye to its mash bill and that's probably because it was a cheaper grain it's cheaper than corn and so you but you can still make great whiskey out of it and it's 94 or 90.4 proof so that's what 45 46 46% alcohol. It's a beautiful golden honey kind of color. It's that rich. I get myself in trouble real easy with this. Yeah, it goes it goes very very easily. And so let's talk even though we don't necessarily have pairings on the table. Mm-hmm. Let's talk what do you want to eat with this? So, I think something that would go well with this are, are nuts. Okay. Uh, there's not a whole lot of nutty flavor to it, but kind of the richness of mixed nuts. Like it's going to have, you know, almonds, cashews, peanut, like the whole kind of. Especially that creaminess of a cashew. Mm, yeah. I think that would work really well. And even if it's like, I'm thinking about the rosemary nut mix Ooh. that Trader Joe sells. I think that would be a really good pairing because that woodsy, woodsy and lemony brightness of the of the rosemary and the saltiness and the nutty I think would go real would tie in really really well with this you know the last couple weeks we've talked I've talked with Seth and and Dave kind of about pairing theory and I think that this this is missing when it comes to whiskeys this is missing a little bit of that nuttiness and I think that would go well go well with this what do you think definitely nuts I mean steak your obvious choice steak and whiskey you can't go wrong yeah but a good pasta with a hearty red sauce. Okay. Most people think pasta, red wine, and trust me, I love pasta and a good red wine more than anyone on this planet. But the meat, the heartiness of like a really good red sauce or even like a spaghetti and meatballs with a good marinara, I think would play really well to bring out some yeah. of those nuanced flavors. I could definitely see that. 
And so many people think, oh, why would you drink whiskey with pasta? Trust me. It would work. You're you're missing something if you're not drinking whiskey on occasion (laughs) with pasta. You know, I think... Don't throw the wine out the window, but... Right. Give it a try. Also talking... I mean, we joked about sushi and sashimi at the (laughs) beginning of the show, but I think not a spicy roll... And not a roll that's got too much flavor to it, but something that's got a nice, delicate like style. Like a nice California or Philadelphia roll that's got maybe some cream cheese, a little yeah. bit of crab or mm-hmm. seafood, but a lighter seafood. You also don't want to go too light, though, because you don't want the whiskey to kill yeah. what the sushi is going to bring to the table. Yeah. Now, I've never had it, but I think like an eel or like even a, an octopus... I think yeah. this would be okay because, like, it's full flavor. We're talking about it's got a lot of this flavor, but it's still, it's not punch you in the face flavor. Right. It, there's a delicateness to it, which I think would work well. Now, if you've just got some great sushi grade bluefin tuna, tuna. <laughs> like just straight up sashimi, I think that would go well too. Yeah. Because you kind of get some of those nuancey flavors that you can find in some really good sakes mm-hmm. with this. At least with this one. I don't know about the piggyback. A fried, like, calamari. Yeah. Even, like, a fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Not a, not a hot chicken, though. Not a hot chicken. Just, like, a regular fried chicken. Now, if it's got a little bit of a bite to it. Yeah. Like, some peppery spice or mm-hmm. something. But I wouldn't do, like, a Nashville hot. I wouldn't do yeah. a really super spicy mm. chicken. So, something when I was in culinary school, I took a wine class. Mostly because I needed a credit. <laughs> And who doesn't want to drink wine at 8.30 on a Monday morning when you're coming off the weekend hangover? Sorry, Mom. One of the biggest things I took away from that class is there are rules, but there are also no rules at the same time. Yeah. Because if, and I know we're talking about whiskey, but if you like red wine with fish, you do you, boo. You Mm. do you. Right. You like white wine with a hearty red steak, there's probably a white wine out there. That's a little bit hardier, a little bit more robust. Right. That will go with that steak. It may not be the best pairing you've ever had, mm-hmm. but it can be done. Yeah. And Seth is probably rolling his eyes right now. Well, I don't. Th- I mean, based on our conversation that we had last week, I don't. I don't think so because what one of the things Seth and I really talked about was if you're pairing for somebody, you really need to think about the person you're pairing for and as much as you're picking what you're pairing because. Just like what you said. And I mean, I know you don't really care for white wine. Nope. So I'm not really going to pair stuff with white wine for you because you're not going to like it anyway. Just like people aren't going to do Chardonnay or IPAs for me right. or gin. Like it could be amazing, but I'm still not going because I don't like one part of it. Because so everybody I- has their own individual palate. Mm-hmm. You know what you like, you know what you taste, and we can eat the exact same dish prepared the exact same way Yep. and i will taste something that you don't taste that the next person down the table may not taste Yep. and you get a table of eight ten people yeah there's going to be some consensus right but also everybody's going to pick up on something a little bit different Mm -hmm. and so the rules are there they're a great guideline especially if you're just starting out but remember if you like your whiskey or your wine with chicken piccata yeah go for it and People are like, I would never drink whiskey with chicken piccata. If that's what you like. Go for it. Exactly. You know, going back to kind of like things that this would, that we think would go well with it, just in general, rather than thinking about person across from the table, talking about sweets, I think a 
like a dark chocolate creme brulee or even oh my a- gosh you just took the words out of my mouth because my <laughs> brain went to creme brulee and specifically dark chocolate creme brulee the the other thing i was thinking was like honey Ooh. like a good honey creme brulee or honey like panna cotta or a flan uh, I think would work dude, really those well honey cupcakes out of the fearless baker cookbook yes if you don't have that cookbook highly recommend it you know i think and i know you don't really care for this a whole lot but i think lavender would go well with this in in a dessert world not like overly but as a as something that's going on in the dish like a lemon lavender something I think a lemon we'll lavender or dessert or like a lemon lemon lavender chicken yeah like a spring chicken yeah like a spring chicken with some lemon lavender herbs to provence would go right like would be beautiful with this i think they'd play nicely together yeah Let's move away from the pairings because we've done we've done a pretty good job with that. So we were talking earlier, and I, I I think this is just fun conversation. You know, we were talking about our some of our most heralding drives in weather, times <laughs> in weather. Oh man! You were telling you told me this story, and I, I kind of want to hear it again while I'm drinking a whiskey about the horses in the snow. Because <laughs> you kind of tell us that story and kind of so what was happening then. I was in fourth grade. So remember, couldn't drink legally, didn't drink at that point also. Let me just make that very clear before my father rolls over in his grave. (laughs) Um, And my mother has a heart attack. Growing up, we had horses and we lived in Montana. And, you know, you get snowstorms that come through that are just terrible. Well, horses don't care if it's snowing, even blizzarding, and you can't see past the end of the nose of your car. They want to eat. I remember one time being about fourth grade, going out to my parents' land at the time to feed the horses with my mother. And the snowstorm was so bad. you I don't think we could see the end of the nose of the suburban. And probably the scariest experience, and I've been through some shit, <laughs> is having five hungry horses that you can hear but you can't see barreling toward you because they know they're about to get hay and you're about to break the ice in the tanks for fresh water. It's terrifying. So is it just, so like, was it terrifying just the... They got trampled by five hungry, big A horses. I'll try and keep my language clear. What did, did, is this when you... Big A horses. I'll try and keep my language clear. Well, didn't, did, is this when you had one of the Tennessee walkers... Yes. So we had, um, at that time, we had a paint, and for those of you who may not be familiar with horses, the paint, the painted horse, which you've probably seen in any in a lot of American romanticized indigenous Americans riding these beautiful black and white horses, you know, the paint was the, the small one. Yes. And they're, they're not small. He <laughs> the, was, he was my, uh. My big, we called him a puppy dog. Okay. Because you'd walk through the field and he would come and put his nose over your shoulder and just rest it there ever so gently and follow behind you like a puppy dog. Oh my goodness. And then... Was the walker the biggest one or were the the quarter horses? The walker was the second biggest one. The, the first quarter horse my parents ever bought was named Macklin and he was by far the biggest of the horses. Actually, one of our quarter horses, Misty, was smaller than the paint, believe it or not. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's hard to She believe. was not pony sized, okay. but she was a very short 
petite Houdini. <laughs> escape artist. She could escape anything. We had to padlock. We had to put an extra like rail of barbed wire fence because she would belly under it. Like oh, she was, she couldn't jump. So as long as it was high enough, she couldn't jump that high because she was <laughs> short. But man, she she was a little Houdini. Now, so Macklin being the biggest, he was. How, do you remember about how many hands he was? Um, probably like 15, 15 and a half, which, you know, most, most horses are about 14 to 15. So like he, he was a good size boy. And that's, you know, that's to his shoulder. Yeah. That's from, uh, his hoof to basically like where his neck meets his collarbone. And 15 hands is probably what? Five and a half, six feet. Um, a hand, if I remember correctly is four or five inches. Yeah, so 15 hands is five feet. Yeah, so he was, you know, he was a good-sized boy. And, and that's just to his shoulders. Like, that's just to the point where That's not even to the top of his head, To yo. the top of his head, which was probably another foot and a half. Yeah. Maybe two feet yeah. at that point. So you're, t- you're talking, you're looking eyeball, you can't look that horse in the eye unless nope. you're an NBA player or right? rock. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good times, scary experience. But they were, you know, and they were coming across the field yeah 10 acres Jeez. free range coming full speed speed for hay and you know you've got macklin at five feet five feet to his shoulder and everyone else is probably you know the short i mean the the short quarter horse was probably you know four six yeah so still as a as a 10 year old you know still <laughs> they all they all bigger than you yep <laughs> and you know your mom's not a Tall. And my mom is only about five foot three, so. <laughs> yeah, but your mom could grab any of those horses by the ears and bring them oh, down to her man. level. Oh she was she was always the alpha, always. Yeah, she. Always. Had, I mean, she had to be. She still is. Yeah, <laughs> still is. You know, has you know what five five kids, five children, kids. six grandchildren, couple of son in laws. You know. She can bring them all down there, and she's still the alpha. <laughs> oh yeah, to the, to her dying day, she'll be the alpha. Yeah. So I think like for me, the scariest, the scariest snow drive that I've had is there have been a couple of times when I was driving across like between Kansas and Colorado and a big snowstorm was coming through. Now, people always say Kansas is boring to drive through, but agreed drive through Kansas in driving snow and it will not be boring at all. You will be paying attention, and you will be holding on for dear life because you got that no, white knuckle going on. Uh, you, yeah, you you know that you're not supposed to white knuckle, but every once in a while you you get that tense. You're like, okay, I'm not supposed to white knuckle, and it's because you know I could see the front of my car, but the snow is coming in sideways. Oh, that's because always fun. of all the wind coming at you, and you know you're you're trying to keep yourself on the road, and you're in the middle of Kansas, so they haven't scraped. like like they would normally because you're in the middle of Kansas and then you have the driving wind coming at the side. So you're, and sometimes you're, you get that big gust and you're like, how the fuck am I staying on the road? And I think I, I think I was, I was in that for maybe three hours and just going across and you're just going and you're like, I can't go faster, but I can't pull off anywhere. There's nowhere to pull off. And I'm, I don't want to freeze. And also sometimes pulling off, unless you can find a parking lot, a gas station, something of that nature, pulling off to the side of the road in those weather conditions are just as dangerous as continuing to drive. Because if you can't see, 
nobody else can see you either if you pull off even with emergency flashers it, they're not going to see you until they're right up on you and you're probably going to get hit yeah at that point now there's another horse and snow story that you've told me about the about some hay so i was not there for that oh, um, okay that is my mother's story but she was living in montana with five kids five horses and a golden retriever while my father was living in arkansas and working we were getting ready to move here, but it just hadn't happened yet. And uh, my mom went out to feed the horses. I'm sure all of us were at soccer practice or swim practice or something because we were all big into sports. And she was out feeding the horses. She was low on hay. Some guy showed up on horseback, asked her if she was low on hay. She said yes. And the next day there was more, more hay. She never paid him. She never saw him again. So he just rode up and... Appeared out of appeared out of the snowstorm. Said I need it. Said do you need hay? Rode off. Next morning there's more hay. In the man, that's now. I know you've told me about this book, and I've read it. Blind your ponies. Oh, yes. There's a there's a there's a scene in that book, if I'm remembering it correctly. Because I was doing a lot of work around the house when when I was listening to it. But there's a scene, of, there's a very similar scene in that book where there's one of the characters is st- out stuck in a storm mm-hmm. trying to get, yep. trying to get to the school, I think, to go to a basketball game. And his horse gets caught, like, it's just a super bad blizzard. And do you, I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? Because I can't really remember it. It that wasn't well. his horse because he was driving, but he like had an issue and. Somebody showed up and basically did the same thing, got him there, and was never seen again. Didn't you, like, get him into a barn? Maybe. it's It's been a while since I've read the book. It's in the top of my closet. I need to pull it out and read it again. But, yeah, there's there's definitely something yeah, similar. He, he and, you little... know, Blind Your Ponies is historical fiction. Right. So they talk about a restaurant that's actually a restaurant. Yep. They talk about a tandem bike that's actually there because I've been to the Blue Willow. <laughs> Great prime rib, by the way. Um, and it's in the little middle of nowhere, Montana. But I think you know, I, you know, like you said, it's historical fiction. But I, I really feel like that in in multiple ways. That's not the like your mom and this author. Like that's not the only time this happened. Like I believe that there is God, Jesus universe what whom however you want to call it or somebody out there that's watching hey it could even be a native american god or yeah you know shaman whatever i mean like there's there's so much native american history in that state right and mom just said he was you know had on his big winter coat and lined with fur and in his chaps on horseback in the middle of snowstorm cowboy hat and she never saw him again, but there was more hay on the land the next day. So, well, and most people who live up in those areas aren't going to know not to really go out on horseback during those kind of storms yeah. because it's so treacherous. And one wrong move, you and your horse aren't coming back. Exactly. So just just that fact of somebody out there on horseback, covered up, taking care of those who may need help. Yep. Is just incredible to me. Yep. So anyway, have you finished yours? 
I just took my last sip. This is really good. I, I know. I kind of want to pour some more, but I know we need yeah, to get into the uh, yeah. whistle picks. We've, so. we've still got that whistle picks in there. But, you know, I, I, I really like this whiskey. You know, it's great sipping right now. We're sipping it neat out of just some old-fashioned glasses. It would be great on the rocks. It would be great in cocktails. Oh, man. Great in cocktails. And I think as we're getting to the end of the whistle pick, we'll talk about some cocktails that we that we know of. But are you ready to move to the whistle pig? I am more than ready to move to the whistle pig. All right. So this is going to be the whistle. This is whistle pig rye. It is their piggyback rye. It's not the boss hog. It's not, you know, any of that because we cheap. It's the cheaper version, yo. And it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Because we cheap and we pulp, but we know how to drink some good whiskey. Wow. That is completely different. Completely First different. All, um, it's more... a lot hotter to me. Yes. To me. Yeah, no, it it definitely is. It is ninety six point five proof. That's why. <laughs> so it's we're talking up in the what is that? What, what would that be? Fifty or not fifty? Uh, forty eight, forty nine percent range. You guys can't see my face, but if you could, you would <sighs> love my facial expressions. So I get a little bit like of cordial cherry, like some like the Queen Anne, the center, not the chocolate, but the center. Uh, that kind of cherry, like it just, it just. I never really liked the the Queen Anne cordials, but I can definitely understand where you're coming from, where you're getting that like sweet richness. Yeah, and there's just this like kind of light cherry flavor that I'm getting that I that just on first sip. And even on the nose is like I almost want to pour a little bit more of yeah. that Woodford. Just to compare, like directly on the nose, because it's mm-hmm. so different. It's and so one of the things that is not only the smell and the taste that we're talking about, but one thing that makes the whistle pig different is, or this piggyback is, it is a hundred percent rye. So we went from you know fifty three percent, and where the rest is probably mostly corn, to be honest, and a little bit of wheat. But this is one hundred percent rye, no other grain in it, and I, I love it. Yeah. It's, like, I mean, it, it's beautiful. It's just going from the Woodford right. to the Whistlepig piggyback rye. It's so different. It takes you a minute to just wrap your head around it. Yeah. And I would assume, like this is not anywhere, I would assume that the Woodford is column stilled. And they actually put here on the piggyback that it's pot stilled. So that's also okay. going to give it a little bit of a different flavor too. For sure. There's no... There's no amount of time that it says that the Woodford has been in the barrel, even though on the bottle it says Kentucky straight rye, which might mean four years. The whistle pig loud and proud says that it's aged for six years on in American Oak. And I think it's just, it's very, very interesting. Like that spiciness that's in there is that spiciness that's in there is just a little bit different than what we were seeing in the Woodford. And that that spice while it's while it's completely different, it's definitely the defining characteristic of this whiskey. You know, with it being 100% rye, you get more of that flavor in it. And to me, this is a little bit more of that like tingly spiciness. Kind of like that what is it the is it pink peppercorn that'll make your tongue numb or is that szechuan szechuan it kind of has that like prickly kind of spiciness that's in there like not hot cinnamon 
but like the feel of hot cinnamon without the heat yes. of the hot cinnamon. It's like a really... So if you've ever had a really good apple cider, you don't get the apple in this, but that really intense cinnamon, but it's got that spice, but it's not like, yeah, it's, it's got that like a nice intense yet really balanced cinnamon, but like a really well done apple cider. Yeah. And I mean, on the back end of it, you do get a lot of that like nice barrel-y vanilla and kind of that little extra... Kind of, you know, that where that like floral honey kind of stuff sits. It definitely has way more vanilla than the Woodford. Yeah, I would, I would say, and I would say that that's probably you know four years, and I'm guessing based on the straight uh, commentation with this having six, you're gonna get that more deliciousness. So now, um, with this one, what do you feel about pairings? Hmm. I mean, besides another whiskey and a whiskey. <laughs> Besides some ice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pairings. The fact that it's got more vanilla, I would probably stay. I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it with dessert, but I'd probably go with a dessert that is less sweet. It'd probably go really well with like a nice blue cheese, a Stilton. um, I can see that. Or like a Humboldt Fog. It's got that really good funky Mm -hmm. richness. I think those would play well. Um, I was thinking like a good sharp cheddar. That too. Would kind of go with it because it's got enough fat that it would kind of calm it down a little bit because it is is hot. You know, that that alcohol burn is real. Yeah, it's a real roll. (laughs) In In the back, in the back there. But I think like something like that. Or even a like a semi a semi hard cheese like a raclette like mm. doing a like a raclette with it or even a fondue like a cheese fondue yes could go really well with this. I mean, once again, I said this before, but whiskey and steak can't go wrong. But I would be very careful with how much peppers on the steak. Be careful with how much peppers <clears throat> on the steak. Also, going with a steak that's got. A little more marbling or a little more fat and yeah. i know people cut out the fat but just that like richness that the fat brings to mm-hmm. the steak um so like a, a nice ribeye rib um short ribs yes Ooh, some short ribs and this whiskey mm-hmm. even like a little korean barbecue kind of stuff would go well do i have short ribs in the freezer i think i do um, maybe <laughs> I mean, there is a high possibility that there are short ribs. I have a tendency to go, um, for those of you that don't know, Fresh Market on Tuesdays does, we call it the cheap chicken and ground beef day because that's yeah. exactly what it is. They sell Good their quality. boneless, skinless, non-hormone chicken breast for two ninety nine, And it used to be two ninety nine for their uh, fresh ground truck check but that's gone up to 399 but still it's still it's still a good price it's for still, great quality it's yeah. not that the quality is cheap it's just the price is cheap yeah so i'll go buy three four pounds of each and then vacuum seal it out into one ish pound portions i'm too lazy to get out the scale yeah but fresh market usually has massive short ribs like bone-in short ribs. Yeah. Like the They're good, like, like restaurant, restaurant quality bone-in short ribs. 
And I didn't go for short ribs, but I tend to come home with short ribs. Yeah. And it's never just like three. I come home with like six at once. <laughs> My bill that should be like $30 ends up being like 65 because short ribs. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think this would go well with short ribs. I also think it would go well with duck. Anything that's going to have a little bit of extra fat and a little bit of that extra unctuousness. Fattiness, yeah. I think it would. this would work really well with, so like a, if we go back to cheeses like brie, you know, got that mm, extra like brie. creaminess to it. Uh, I think like a good Genoa salami, a good prosciutto, Ooh. jambon. You know, I think I think those yeah. sorts of things that have good fat on them would, would go really well. Like a Chianti Dry, maybe not because it's a little bit more meaty. The red wine cured salami from the meat block in Butte. Might have to call Cheryl and have her pick some of that up before I go up there next week. And some piggyback. Have her get some piggyback too. Put it Because she'll buy it. If I tell her to buy it, she'll buy it. I should, I should <laughs> if you're buy listening, it I love you, Aunt Cheryl, and you are my by far my favorite. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that to butter you up. You know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she may be the only one listening from, from your family anyway. Uh, but I, I think this is really good, and I agree that this this would go well. I would stay. I would watch out for spiciness. I'd watch out for anything that's too sweet. But I think a lot of a lot of things would go really well with this. Fat, creamy, like even like a dark chocolate creme brulee, like we said with the yeah. first whiskey, because dark chocolate it's not a sweet creme brulee over while all is not a super super sweet dessert. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, it's got that nice like fatty, creamy, little bit of sweet. You know, we we're, we're talking about fatty stuff. You know, this would go well with a brisket too. Ooh, brisket, corned beef. <laughs> Sorry, I always have corned beef on the mind. Always. <laughs> and so, you know, speaking of that, when I'm looking at the notes here, this is actually certified kosher. Oh. So they they go through the entire process to actually certify that this is kosher. And, I mean, that's that's fantastic. Whistlepig, you know, we, we talked about Woodford. Woodford is obviously out of Kentucky. Whistlepig is actually out of Vermont. Oh, learn um, something new today. And... They, they do some really, really good stuff up there. The uh, first time I ever had Whistle Pig, and this was just like the regular Whistle Pig. This was, uh, God, it was 2012, maybe 2013. I was at a conference in Washington, D.C., and uh, the hotel I was staying at had a bar. And, I was uh, living with my parents. <laughs> and I, like, you know, as. What I do, I order in old fashioned, and they're like, "Oh, hey, do you? Is there a particular whiskey you want?" I was like, "I don't know. Is there anything that's kind of local?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we have this one that's up from Vermont, and you can just..." Pour. And then I was like, "Okay, great, I'll do that." It was Whistle Pig Ten, <laughs> and it was like a maybe a three dollar upcharge at that point. But you had it for the first time in an old fashioned, not just neat or on the like rock. Yeah, the first time I ever had it was in an old fashioned. Okay, interesting. And it was a super. It was a super. I'm sure that was a delicious old fashioned. Old fashioned. Um, uh, but they're they're up from Vermont. You know, they also are part of a working farm. It, the distillery is so you know they they actually you know raise animals, raise a lot of the grain. Okay. That they're using. And they actually use Vermont oak, American oak, 
in to make their barrels. Oh, okay. So um, it's a really kind of cool thing. Another thing is this would probably go really well with pasties. Oh. For those of you that aren't familiar with pasties, it's a traditional Irish dish that is like meat and potatoes. Some people put carrots in them, onion, garlic, and in a basically like a pie dough, but it's basically like a hand pie. And uh, I love pasties. I need to perfect my pasties. I'm really bad at the dough. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're better at me than pie dough. But I think that like would just be really beautiful because pasties they are flavorful but they are not overly flavored it's like salt pepper you know the onion the carrot you don't get a whole lot of extra spices that are thrown in you don't get a whole lot of and then maybe i need to try my uncle swears by lard making the best pie dough so maybe that's what i need to try next it's not just your uncle that swears (laughs) by that i can tell you that he makes the best pie i've ever had in my life like seriously his cherry pie Good thing Tana's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we won't go into that story about my 90-plus-year-old grandmother. Speaking of stories, now that we've talked about this for a little bit, you know, I've got... Uh, and you've you've heard this story about my driving. So we're talking about driving stories. Oh, driving kind stories. Of a, kind of as our... In driving and weather. Oh, driving and weather. Probably my most exciting drive ever was to go pick up my sister in Memphis. So I, you know, I'm I'm based here in Little Rock, so we got a 2-hour drive to Memphis. Uh, Marie was coming into town for our grandmother's funeral years back. And for some reason on a short she, she couldn't get into Little Rock, so she could get to Memphis. And so I finished work and then I started driving out to Memphis. Well, there were some storms that were coming up. And so I'm driving along in spring. Just some storms, y'all. <laughs> it was that's how it was played to me. That it was just going to be some storms. And you know, I'm growing up in Kansas. You you drive in thunderstorms all the time. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Well, so we're driving along, driving along, driving along, and it's like it's raining hard, but it's sunny. So at one point there was a there was a rainbow across my hood <laughs> as I'm driving this. You know, 90, what was it? It was a 98 uh, Honda Accord at this point. It was the blue blue car. You never never knew the blue car. I did not know the blue car. And so I'm driving along and I'm, I think I was listening. I can't remember if I was listening. No, I wasn't listening to the radio. I had like plugged in my phone and it was, you know, listening to whatever. And being from Kansas, you pay attention to the clouds and you kind of know things. Like, I knew that there were t- tornado possible storms in the area. And the next thing I know, it's like, oh, hey, look, there's a tornado at, at, in such and such place in Ar- Arkansas. And I'm driving along, driving along, driving along. And I look out the side of my window and I look far enough down in the field. And Kansas is, the only, is not the only place where you can see for miles. You can in Arkansas, too. And I look over and I see a tornado. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's about 15, 30 miles away. I'm okay. So I keep driving in the, in the rain, in the torrential rain coming Bless down. it, y'all. It, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I pull off the road in the middle of nowhere for a, a tornado that's 30 miles away moving the, the opposite direction of me? No, I keep driving to get out of its sight. Lort Jeebus. So I'm driving along. I keep driving. I keep driving. And I get to the White River Bridge. 
And for those of you in Arkansas, on if you're driving between Little Rock and Memphis, you know where I'm talking about. You know where the White River, where the White River Bridge is. And as I'm driving along, it stops raining. Boom, boom, boom. I throw open my the cover for this for the moonroof, and I'm I'm looking around like, oh fuck, where is it? Because if you know anything about tornado weather. If you are in the rain and then the rain stops, bum bum bum. You need to figure out where the where it actually is because that's you're in the cone of where most likely the tornado is going to drop. So I throw it open. I throw open the, the sunroof, and I am like, okay, fuck, where is it? And then I hit the gas. Like I start fly. I'm like I'm driving. And I'm probably going 85, 90 miles an hour. Probably shouldn't laugh, you fucks. <laughs> no, it's funny now. I mean, I survived. So, and I'm driving. I'm like, oh my god, where is it? Oh my god, where is it? Oh my god. And I'm looking around, looking around, looking around, looking around. I'm like, where's the rain? Where's the rain? And then I finally hit the rain, and I let off the gas. I don't hit the brake, so I don't fishtail everywhere. I have never been so happy to drive in the rain in my life as I was getting back into that rain spell. Oh, and folks, the story's not over because I get to Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> I get to Memphis and I hear the woo. I hear the tornado sirens going off. I'm like, okay, well, it's somewhere in the county because it's how it is. And so I, I pick up my sister at the airport in Memphis and we're driving back. And we're hearing the sirens. So we kind of pull off because we had a cousin who lived in the area at the time. We're like, okay, if we actually need to go somewhere, we'll figure it out before we get on the highway and get over the bridge where we can't go anywhere. So we stop at the Riverfront Park and we look over the river toward the old pyramid. Uh, the, it's now a Bass Pro Shop. And we see the storm coming down and we see it. We actually watch it and there are pictures of us because, you know, we're those people. There's pictures of us pointing back at it and we, we watch the storm and kind of the, I don't know if it was actually on the ground at that point, but we watch it bridge over the river in like a perfect arch of the I-40 bridge because <laughs> we're down on the 55 part. And we just see that and we're like, holy crap. <laughs> what did, what just happened? Life and then happened. we And then we got back in the car and, <laughs> and then drove back to Little Rock. But it was just in, it was absolutely insane. Hope you folks enjoyed my commentary on his story. It's what she does. Are you, are you finished your whistle pick not... already? No. Okay. A little bit left. It's just hard to see because my glass is blue. Mm. I really like this. Now, like I said earlier, we are drinking both of these neat with no ice or anything. I personally prefer my rise on the rock. I think that little bit of dilution really, really helps. And actually the way this is where it becomes hoity-toity alert, everybody. My actually preferred way that I've started drinking rye are I'll take my cocktail shaker or my cocktail glass and I'll pour my rye into it and put some ice in there. Stir it up like it was a cocktail till it gets cold and get a little bit of dilution and then I'll pour it into my glass. I, what I f- have found is that it just opens it up and gets that little bit of chill on it, which I kind of prefer. And it just kind of opens it up a little bit. And But this whistle pick, I definitely... <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to put this on the rock. I think I think it would I think it would do really well with that. What do you think? You know, I prefer my nice whiskeys neat. But if we had 
the freezer space to throw this like in the freezer just to have it chilled. Right. It would definitely be nice chilled. I think even if it wasn't a little bit diluted, it would just kind of calm down some of the the hot. Right. Because it's definitely got some yeah. going on. Um, I mean, I'll drink it on the rock or, you know, the way you just said that you prepare yours lately. I wouldn't mind, even if I was going to drink it neat, like a straw where I could drop a splash or two, just, you know, a drop or two of water in it. Because sometimes it's what it needs to open up some of those nuanced flavors. Right. I mean, it's it's a beautiful whiskey. But for a lot of people, I think they'd probably either want it on the rock or diluted just a little bit to open up some of those nuanced flavors. Yeah, I think a lot of people would find this very, very hot. Very, very hot for them to drink. And for some people, it may be, you know, a little bit, a little bit rough to drink. But honestly, put it, put it on some ice, put some, put some water in it, you know, dilute it down. I think you're going to find it that you're going to enjoy it a whole lot more because it's going to come out and you're going to get a lot of those lovely little nuanced flavors that are there. So I'm going to pass you my glass. I just put about three very small drops of water Mm -hmm. in my swirled around it's it's a different whiskey oh yeah it's a lot softer it's, you do get all those nuanced spices yep. like it's a little bit more um i want to say must um it's just a little more finesse yeah but it, it also kind of reminds me of a little bit of like a really good curry a little masala okay ma- Some like- masala not marsala like a little tiki masala or curry, something just yeah, yeah. like a, a kind of garam masala, a good kind of curry powder without some of that like turmericiness. Yeah, but just like those rich spices that you toast when you're making them, yeah. you kind of get that full um, fullness to it. And for those of you at home, no, I did not get a straw. I dipped my uh, finger because I am not classy in my water. And dropped like three droplets of water straight from my <laughs> finger into my whiskey. Yeah. If any of you thought I was classy, think again. <laughs> I know how to be classy when it needs to be, but honestly, I'm downright homegirl who just likes the finer things in life. Homegirl sitting on sitting on the fence after running cattle. We're not going to talk about that tonight, but truth. <laughs> So, That's a story for another night. I can't tell you all my secrets at once. Yeah, we gotta ha- we gotta have something for you when you come back on the show. Well, I think you know we we've, we've been going for almost an hour. Oh yeah, point. we have. So I think we're gonna go ahead and pour up the blind, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this pony right. up. I'll uh, go grab the blind and be right back. Okay, so Jordan's got the blind poured up for me and and myself, <laughs> of course, <laughs> because you know you never want to drink alone. So we'll cheers this, cheers it. Um, so this is the liquor here that she gave me is like a really golden, golden color. Uh, kind of reminds me of, you know, the golden wheat summers in Kansas. Oh man, this smells completely different. I mean, completely different than what we've been tasting. It's, uh, well, it's a lot more floral. Uh, there's a lot more of like a kind of a creaminess to it. And it's almost like a, like a cream creaminess rather than like a nutty creaminess like almost like un uh, unsugared whipped cream it's extremely different than what we have been drinking no actual hints folks <laughs> but there there is some nuttiness to it as well 
Um, I'm not really getting a lot of spicy kind of flavors like we were off these ryes. It's very soft, very nuanced, almost like potpourri. Potpourri. Is that how you say that word? It's extremely floral. Yeah. Which would go right along with the potpourri word. Ooh, yeah. Nuanced, soft. You get a lot of wood flavor, but it's a nice, soft, like good cedar kind of smell. Like if you've ever lit in a cigar with a cedar stick, it's that smell of the cedar stick that's on there. You still get a lot of that light, honey, floral, still a lot of floralness. It's not orange blossom honey, but it's that floralness that I've, that reminds me of like a blossom honey. It's almost like it would be like a jasmine or maybe a honeysuckle honey. Man, that would be really good. A honeysuckle Honeysuckle honey. honey. Honeysuckle honey would be really good. Take my money. Mm-hmm. So soft, it's it's definitely grain-based. So I'm going to say that this is, I'm just going to start whittling it down at this point. I think this is a whiskey of some sort. It Because it has this grain feel and this wood overtone, I don't think, and with the color and everything, that's obviously not going to be a vodka or anything like that. So I do think it is grain-based. It's so soft and nuanced. It's got, I think it's got a lot of years in barrel. It's got some good time in the barrel. It's not overly hot, which is another thing that makes me think it's got some time in barrel. And it's a whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> I'm staring him down from across the table. It's really good. It's very, very well made. Whatever it is. There's not a whole lot of smoke, so I'm having a hard... Like, I, I'm not even really getting any kind of hint of peat smoke anything like that so I'm having a hard time saying it's a scotch but it's just so light not light it's so balanced and soft and floral it's making me but that that's like what's making me want to go to an aisle like an Irish whiskey or a scotch or something (laughs) or something along those lines I do not think that this is American I think it's just it's been, I think it spends too much time in the barrel to be an American whiskey because, I mean, I don't think you have any 15-year-old American whiskey that I know of. <laughs> we don't talk about these things. <laughs> so, it's not a, so it's not a podcast whiskey, so therefore it's not, it's, it's not one of those. <laughs> so grain-based. Wow. So... I th- I I think I'm gonna land on this being a Scotch. I think with its soft, with its delicate, with its nuance, with it playing toward that floral, that honey, that creaminess, and I'm 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 also kind of getting some like saltiness maybe that could let me like lend it to being kind of a it. I I think if it's a Scotch, it's a Highland Scotch because it's it's not. It's not showing any sort of smoke prevalence. So it could be like, you know, Avalor, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, McAllen, like somewhere in those. I do think it's got a good amount of age on it, like over 12 years. I think that's what it is. So I'm going to say that this is a scotch. It's from the Highland area and it's over 12 years in age. And to find out if I'm right or not. You must come back next week. You must come back next week. And next week... Actually, no. They they can come back next week, but they're not going to find out the blind next week. They got to come back in 2 weeks to find the blind because next week is a cocktail week. 
Now we're we're tripping you guys up because we did the special Irish cocktail week when it actually wasn't a cocktail week. Now I have a question though. Even rotation. though it's a cocktail week, you won't announce the blind. No, because we don't do a blind during cocktail week, so there's nothing to carry it over to the to the wine week. So we just this just holds on over until the interesting until the wine. Did episode. not know that. I just figured that even though there was not a blind on a cocktail week you would at least announce the blind from the previous week. So I guess, folks, because I don't know shit, you must come back in two weeks. <laughs> we must come to back. To figure out what I put in his glass tonight. Yep, come back in two weeks and you'll find out. But come back next week and we're going to have another great cocktail episode. Dad is, of course, still you know doing his retired thing and being you know off, off and doing wonderful stuff. So I'm not quite sure yet if he'll be on the cocktail episode or what that's going to be. But I think we're just going to have a great old time making some cocktails and and telling some stories. And I hope all of you come back for that. We are are very happy to have you guys with us. Please remember to give us a like, follow, subscribe, whatever your favorite podcast platform does. Give us a a star rating. Tell us what you like, what we're doing. Remember, we are always out there in the social world, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on TikTok. Still trying to figure out that TikTok <laughs> game. It's it's not strong, but it's out there. And, you know, Jordan, once again, thank you for being on another another episode of Acquired Tastings. We're really going to have to get you your headphones now. No, these keep falling out of my ear. <laughs> but once again, thank you for being on. And it was a great, it was a, it was a great old time having you on. And so once again, I'm Josh Mills. I'm Sushis and Shashimis. And we'll see you next time.